Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Retrospectives podcast. My name is Patrick Arthur, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, James Sterlings. How are you going today, James? Yeah, not too bad, Patrick. What have you been up to lately? Well, I've been playing Overwatch a lot again recently because they just announced that they're going to reintroduce Roll Queue. It's a big deal for me because the game was going through a period where the meta was based around three healers and three tanks. And uh, if you've listened to me on any previous episodes, you know I'm a shooter fanatic. So the shooting side of the game was really de-emphasized. But now it's forced 2-2-2. So you always have DPS on your team no matter what. So I'm getting back into it so I get to shoot people on the head again. Sounds like the most heavy-handed balance decision I've ever heard of in a video game and i already hated that game to start with it's definitely a heavy-handed move i agree but um the meta was forced into the state it was because of blizzard's decision to try and encourage healers and tanks so they made them overpowered on purpose and then eventually the game just reached a state where it was incorrect to run dps because the healers and the tanks were so strong so even though it's a heavy-handed decision, I think it's good for the health of the game and it helps re-emphasize uh, aiming in shooting in a game that was always designed as a hybrid shooter. So uh, it may it may not be a good thing, but I'm excited to play again. And in that sense, at least, it's got people interested in the game. Disgusting. Um, myself, I've not been playing much else other than this week's Game Thief, but I did have a little dabble in the intro to FF14 um, at the behest of some friends of mine. Um, there's a shitty deal going on at the local pizza store where you get the game for a third of the price. Good excuse for some pizza, and it's been fun so far. The best part of the game has definitely been the uh, awful hairstyle options that uh, we've all gone with. So is it just an MMO, just boring generic MMO? Is there anything special about it that makes it stand out? Yeah, uh, apparently it gets a lot better at uh, like level 50 onwards, but uh, so far it's a uh, pretty run-of-the-mill game i do think it's more enjoyable than current world of warcraft but that's not saying much at this stage man i gotta say i just cannot get into this idea that you play for 50 hours and then it gets good whereas when it comes to books there are books i've read where i'm a believer in that but uh yeah for, for games i just do not have the patience to sit around for hours waiting for a game to get to the good bit yeah, I mean, I can definitely tell you feel that way about books because you've got me reading your favorite series of all time right now and uh, Malazan, Book of the Fallen, definitely seems like a series that takes a while to get to the good bits. Yeah, well, James, you're just going to have to trust me. I promise it gets better um, or not. You know, we'll see. But if you can finish the first book, I'll be happy. But uh, anyway, that's enough uh, of that claptrap. It's time to get to today's episode. So here on the Retrospectives podcast, uh, what we do is we both play independently. James and I, we play through an old game, usually late 90s, early uh, 2000s. We play it through to completion. And then we ask ourselves and the broader audience, has this game stood the test of time? And is it worth playing today? We're not trying to understand the game in the context in which it was produced and whether it was a classic in its time or not, because a lot of these games already are and are widely understood as brilliant games at that time. We want to know, is this game worth playing today? 
So the game that I've chosen this fortnight, seeing as it's my uh, my fortnight on, is a game that in a lot of ways I've wanted to play from the very beginning. And it's a game that I kind of had in mind when I first started this podcast. It's Thief Gold, which was released earlier in 1998 as Thief the Dark Project. Uh, Thief Gold is like the 1999 remaster, like expanded version. So Thief, I've played Thief Deadly Shadows a little bit. Uh, which was the third in the trilogy. And I've played a lot of more modern stealth games, but I've never played the original. So I was really excited to uh, go back in time to one of the progenitors of the stealth genre and see if it was still fun to play today. Have you had any experience with Thief at all, James? No, none at all. I have played through the first Dishonored, which is, you know, almost like a spiritual successor kind of to the series but i haven't actually played thief myself okay yeah so so neither of us have really played these earlier games thief one or thief two even though james and i do have experience with stealth games in a more general sense um i've also played dishonored one and two i've played all the metal gear solids I've played Hitman, I've played Splinter Cell. I've even played DayZ back when it did resemble more of a more of a stealth game. So we kind of have a little experience with the broader genre, but we're not experts on specifically the Thief series. But you know, that that has its own interesting take as well. Um, Before we get into the meat of the episode, just a general spoiler warning. Thief's story, I think, does matter, and we will touch on it. It's not not essential, so it's not like a deal breaker. But if you truly want to enjoy the game as it was meant to be enjoyed, you should play Thief Gold first and then come back and listen to us. Uh, Also... On a, um, on a technical note, uh, James and I both played with a fix for the game called tfix.exe. We'll include a link to it in the show notes. There's also a light version of it. Basically, it's a bunch of bug fixes, gives you a widescreen resolution option instead of playing in those terrible 640 by 480 resolutions. The gameplay is essentially the same, but um, it, it just makes it look a little bit better um, and it removes annoying bugs and compatibility issues that tend to come up when you play these early 90s games on Windows 10. So uh, with that out of the way, let's get into Thief. So the basic setup of Thief is that you play a thief called Garrett. Garrett, at the beginning, uh, used to belong to a faction called the Keepers, a very mysterious organization that we don't really learn much about, but he left and um, he decided to pursue a life of thievery. So he's kind of living from job to job. He uh, cases places and he steals things from those places, making a lot of money in the process. As the story unfolds, uh, you start to uncover, I guess, the plot, and you're forced to recover a series of magical artifacts. So it goes from just stealing for your own good to stealing for the ultimate purpose of making $100,000. Things don't quite go as planned, though, and that's the basic setup for Thief. You're going to places and you're stealing shit. I think that the story is a logical place to start. So, James, what did you think of Thief's story and what did you think of Garrett? Honestly, for me, Thief's story is one of those stories that ultimately doesn't matter. I mean, the plot itself doesn't matter a whole lot to the experience. For me, what's wonderful about Thief's story is it has a great sense of world building and atmosphere that it kind of weaves into every aspect of the game. So the world that Thief takes place in 
is in some ways almost steampunk, but not quite. Um, there is strange mechanical generators all over the place and spinning gears, but it doesn't quite go the full mile into that direction. It's still kind of a um, late medieval, like very late medieval take on a world. And the things that it does very well, I think, is littering the world with little stories and reoccurring factions of characters that kind of flesh the place out a bit. Yeah, I gotta say, I'm a big fan of the Hammerites faction that's in this game. The Hammerites are like a religious group of fanatics, but the thing that anchors them is the builder. They love building things, and all of their religious orthodoxy is tied around, I guess, mankind mastering their environment they're fucking crazy like if they spot if they spot a thief they'll immediately cut their hands off or and they've got some pretty crazy ideas but they do have an orthodoxy that they do subscribe to and everything surrounds this idea of the builder and their hammers yeah and like a lot of religions if you read their core tenets a lot of them are very um focused on self-improvement and being the best person that you can so at at some level their orthodoxy and their doctrine makes a lot of sense to a point right uh before it gets to that kind of like religious fanaticism that you see in a lot of um... it's internally consistent yeah like it it makes sense in the context of um of the world and it i love how everything is based around the builder like uh, the weapons that the hammerites wield are literal hammers because the builder uses a hammer to build and um there's like statues of hammers all over the place Uh, it's it's a very well done faction but returning to the plot it starts off pretty bare bones you're just a guy doing missions until uh you know just stealing stuff from mansions and other people earning money for yourself but then um then it gets to, I guess, the the more significant part of the plot, which is you come to a cathedral that has a special artifact inside it, but in order to open the cathedral, you need these four special glyphs, which are scattered around the city you're in. Uh, and each of those glyphs has a mission surrounding it. And if you accomplish this job, you get $100,000 and you go completely free, uh, never having to thief ag- thieve again. Uh, a guy called Constantine offers you this job. So you get the four glyphs, you get the eye, and you return to Constantine, and shock horror, he betrays you. Honestly, this was one of the most obvious betrayals in any game I've ever played ever. Um, The betrayal in Dishonored I saw coming a mile away. I saw this betrayal coming before the scene even happened. It was, uh, you know, before he even gave you the mission. The moment he says $100,000, you're like, yep, I'm definitely not getting that money. Yeah, absolutely. I thought this was, like, the most poorly hidden plot point I've ever seen in my life. But at least the game manages to kind of surprise you by having um, Constantine not only be this... uh, He starts off being introduced to the player as this, like, really eccentric guy, right? Like, uh, his house is this Alice in Wonderland-esque labyrinth of really bizarre geometry. And, you know, when you meet him, the first mission you meet him in, you're tasked to steal one of his most prized possessions. And upon stealing the item, he reveals that, in fact, he was the one who paid you to steal from him in a test to discover whether you're good enough to get this priceless gem for him. So he's a pretty eccentric character, and you can definitely tell that he's going to betray you 
What is less obvious, I thought, was the fact that he becomes the... Uh, if you spend a lot of time reading some of the books lying around in the Hammerite and, you know, the religious sects, you get to read about this character called the Trickster, who's kind of a, you know, antichrist kind of character in the setting. And Constantine ends up being this evil demon as well as, you know, not wanting to pay up. So I actually was quite taken aback by him exploding into, you know, demonic power. Less so being betrayed, though. Yeah, there was definitely a level of brutality to the way he unveiled unveiled himself that I wasn't expecting. I was expecting Garrett to get a knife in his side, not uh, not exactly what happened. So that, that was definitely enjoyable. One thing that did bug me is that Garrett seemed to refuse to acknowledge that there might be something special about the eye. In his words, he says, it's just a dumb rock. And I didn't quite accept that because Garrett's in a world where magic's really obvious the gem itself is incredibly magically sealed behind multiple layers. So obviously there was something beyond this gem that it was just a dumb rock, but that's how he refers to it. I mean, the fact that this dumb rock literally talks to you telepathically should be enough to tell you that there's something funky going on here, right? Yeah, and he just kind of blindly stumbles into the meeting thinking it's going to be all good. So... It could, have, it could have used an additional layer of narrative justification there, I guess. But, you know, that's a minor detail. I think, um, I think a far more interesting, perhaps, idea here is the fact that it doesn't really make sense that Garrett, who's robbing the most difficult places to rob in the city, would need to live on a, I guess, paycheck-to-paycheck paycheck sort of existence yet he does he's living down in basically a slums yet he's pulling off these incredibly elaborate capers all these jewels and gems worth presumably thousands and thousands of dollars yet he's still living it in a very roughshod way and i thought that that was an interesting character wrinkle i'm not sure it's a plot hole as such uh, what what did you think of that? Did that uh, did that come up at all? I completely disagree. Like at the start of the game, you're pulling pretty uh, pretty average heists. You know, uh, the amount of gold you need to finish each level isn't super high, and you're just casing people's houses, escalating to mansions, and that kind of thing. You're never really pulling off a bank heist of the century from the get go. And you know, at the point where he gets offered that huge sum of money, to me, that's the point where Garrett's like, "Yep." I'm changing from living, you know, around on the streets or whatever, and I'm gonna live a good life off of this money and stop thieving. So I don't really think your criticism holds up. Yeah, I, I strongly disagree. I mean, the very first mission, mission one, you're robbing a manor. You're not robbing some guy's house. You're robbing a lord's house. And you're taking stacks and stacks and stacks of coins, priceless artifacts. How is that... How does that make sense and how does that line up with him living in the slums? I think, and maybe this is me reading too deeply into it, I think Garrett lives the way he does as a thief because he loves it. I don't think he needs to live that way. I think he could be far more comfortable than he is. I think that him being a thief has something to do with him loving the idea of being that sort of person. And I think it, in a lot of ways, it's a rejection of his keeper training and what the keepers represent. Now, obviously, it's very light on details. We don't actually know what the keepers did or why he left at this stage. 
But I, that that was my read on it. Garrett has this picture of himself and he wants to live up to it, even if he doesn't need to. Yeah, I can see that. But honestly, if that was the case, then why would he be so eager to leave that life upon getting Constantine's reward? Well, yeah, I'm not sure he would. I don't think Garrett's the kind of guy who, after he gets $100,000, would move to the Bahamas, put his feet up and start drinking from coconuts. I think there's something about him that's intrinsically a thief and he loves thieving. And I kind of picked up on this, you know, the way he speaks. Uh, let, let's talk about Garrett's character a bit because I think it makes an interesting contrast to Max Payne. They're both sarcastic narrators who talk about what they're doing, but there's enough separating the two that, are, that are, you know, that there's an interesting uh, discussion. So did you see much of a difference between them two? Uh, I didn't put a whole lot of thought to it, I'm going to be honest. Um, to me, Thief's plot is really in the background for me. I took mm. a lot of value in the world building and the atmosphere that the story was building up. But honestly, to me, this isn't a character-driven game at all. I think the characters are really uh, whatever overall, and that I much preferred when I was playing focusing on all the little details of how the world interacted together than you know character motivations sure and i think garrett's character in this game is kind of underwritten he doesn't say a whole lot but i i liked his character i liked his sarcasm and more than anything i liked his ego he obviously thinks very highly of himself and he uh he's happy to take on any job so uh yeah i i liked his character but i agree with you that there's not there's not a whole lot there we it's not a deep character portrait it's still a pretty shallow one yeah, I mean, I can get behind, like, I like Garrett. He is, you know, quippy and that kind of sarcastic that makes a character enjoyable to um, experience. But, you know, to me, the best character in this game is that dude at the bottom of the opera house who gives you a nice live performance. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, that character he's the is best. Terrible. No, that character is great. He gives you like a full like five minutes of opera that you get to sit there and listen to. So I had a wonderful bug in that section, right? Where um, as soon as I started climbing up the rope after he gave me the key, the mission failed and I couldn't quick save because every time I was like, oh, okay, I'll just try again. So I had to listen to his stupid singing about three or four times before I gave up and just started the mission again. You should feel blessed, Patrick. Oh, my God, so bad. <laughs> so the, good. Uh, let's just say the voice acting. We'll get into it later when we talk about sound, but the voice acting uh, for a lot of the characters is a little dubious. Yeah. And him included. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. So I guess I kind of want to move on to talking about the gameplay because for me this game's oh a boy. Uh, this game's a primarily gameplay focused game, right? It's not a I super agree. story driven experience. And to that end, I actually am mostly positive about this. Uh, I think that Thief is one of the very first games to attempt to do a first, and maybe even the first game I believe to do a uh, first person focused stealth adventure. And to that end, I think the game design and the mechanics that the game has implemented still hold up today, absolutely. Um, you know, you've got things such as shadows, which uh, change people's awareness of uh, whether you're there or not. 
sound is super important in this game and i was really taken aback about how good the sound design is from a game so old there are all sorts of flaws that make different sounds that are very recognizable when you walk over them and there's all sorts of really cool mechanics like uh, you've got some arrows that you can shoot that drop ropes from the ceiling for you to climb up and you know all sorts of fun environment interactions like putting lights out with water i don't know how you felt about it but i think that in terms of you know the design direction thief still does a really good job yeah i think that the core mechanics on display here are really strong when it comes to the stealth and the sneaking and the thievery like you said when it comes to stealth games it's important to look at sound walk speed enemies line of sight noise and most importantly of all and i think almost uniquely when i think not uniquely but uh a feature that's not in all stealth games is lighting um lighting was a big thing in the splinter cell games but i feel in thief in first person it's some of the best implementation of lighting as a stealth mechanic that i've ever had because there's a there's a little gem at the bottom that tells you how detectable you are as well as you visually identifying if you're in shadow or not which i think is a really good addition because it helps remove the ambiguity of whether you can be seen or not but when you're in complete darkness you can be right next to a guard as they walk past you and you are completely invisible and i cannot tell you how good and fun and enjoyable that is watching a guard walk their long patrol while you're standing in complete darkness and they basically brush by you before you blackjack them in the back is very satisfying. Yeah, the AI in this game absolutely has uh, brain problems, and I think that that's not even a criticism of the game. You know, their AI is extremely video gamey, and to me, that's fine. I actually like how predictable the AI is. I find that in a lot of modern stealth games, the AI is slightly too good almost that it kind of makes them hard to understand what they're going to do. These guards patrol in very predictable patterns and react in very predictable ways. And I think that that, as a video game, makes it uh, a better play experience for the player. Yeah, it's always been a problem with stealth game AI. Like, how good should they be? I still think the Metal Gear Solid games did it best with uh, things like enemies radioing for backup or noticing if patrols were going missing and things like that. But in general, yeah, you do want a certain level of idiocy from your AI in your stealth games because like you said, you want them to act predictably. You want to be able to observe them, find a gap in the patrols and slip through that gap. If the AI was acting too erratically, then that would be impossible. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the basic game loop of sneaking up on guards, which honestly I'd say is the majority experience, is still really fun. In Thief, um, I guess to give some context, there are a bunch of difficulty levels, and Patrick and I both played the majority of the game on Expert, which, while it doesn't make enemies more difficult, it does give you the limitation of not being able to kill enemies you have to knock them all out with um, the blackjack weapon and the blackjack works in such a way that if you're undetected by an npc 
they will be knocked out in one hit from the item so long as that you're not seen and but if you get seen it no longer works on them so it's very important that you don't get seen and that you sneak up on enemies there's this general game loop of hiding in a shadow um, and watching a guard until you've memorized its patrol pattern um, and then you know you you have to do other things like observe your surroundings for light sources that may reveal you or particularly loud surfaces right because uh metallic metallic floors are not a thief's best friend let me tell you one touch of those damn things will send every guard in the vicinity like whirling around after you um so you can, know. can we talk a, a little bit about that because um there was something that I didn't even discover until after I'd finished the game. Yeah. Do you know that there's a walk forward key that's separate from, uh, like, run run forward? Uh, do you mean walk slowly? Yeah, so so th- this is a problem with the game uh, because it's, like, really hard to understand this in the context of modern games. But there's both a walk toggle, which is you hold down a key, I, I bound it to shift, and it will slow your movement speed uh, to a walk. But there's also a separate run and walk forward button. And the the shift toggle will halve the speed or quarter the speed of those things. So if you want to move at the slower speed, you need to hit the walk button and hold down shift to walk super slowly. Did not know that. Yeah, well, neither did I because the way we pass these games normally is there's a run speed and you hold down shift to walk slowly, right? there are like multiple different walk speeds and it would have been very useful to know when going on those tiled surfaces because even if you're walking on them guards can still hear you from quite a distance away well actually honestly i think that speaks to the strengths of thief right that i was able to get through the game without knowing that because this game gives you a lot of options, and so when faced with such, you know, a scenario where there was really loud floors, I came up with two kind of fixes or solutions to that problem. The first of which was using moss arrows, which, um, you know, you shoot them at the floor, and then they spread this green moss everywhere that quiets your footsteps to, you know, being silent, so you can just spread that around a noisy room. And then you can just basically sprint behind a guard and knock him down. Um, But when that wasn't the option, I started to have to resort to some pretty janky uh, mechanics to get around. You're talking about stutter stepping? You mean just mashing the key to slowly go forward? Um, Yeah, because I did exactly the same thing. So I didn't do that very often. I did discover that you can do that um, if you just mash the forward key you kind of don't make any noise which is really weird well the idea is that you never complete a full footstep because a footstep you need to travel a certain distance so if you just tap on the key you never complete a full footstep you never make a noise so that's a that's a very blatant abuse of the game's mechanics and i didn't do that what i did do was another blatant abuse of the game's (laughs) mechanics um in in thief your jump pushes you forward so damn far like it's insane how far forward you go when you do a standing jump in this game i don't know if you noticed that but um, oh boy i certainly did yeah and <laughs> i certainly did so basically on these situations i would walk as far as i could on a quiet surface and then you know charge up my blackjack strike and then jump forward in the air over the noisy surface and strike them before i landed 
And that was the main way I was dispatching guards on noisy surfaces was, you know, using that crazy jump angle to my advantage. Did you even discover bunny hopping? Yes, I absolutely discovered <laughs> okay. bunny hopping. Because, because yeah, that was the other thing. The, the thing about Thief is, like, I get that these probably aren't intended mechanics in, you know, quotation marks. But the thing is, like we discussed on the Quake episode, rocket jumping wasn't an intended mechanic, but it still is part of the game. And you can't say, well, you're not allowed to use rocket jumping. The fact of the matter is, in Thief, Garrett isn't just a sneaky thief he's a very athletic thief and uh so the truth is i use bunny hopping to cover great distance in very quickly and i enjoy doing that um you could you can use speed to be an effective thief as much as you can using silence and staying still and watching patrols yeah absolutely um as i was playing through the game i was reading forums on people's opinions about the game and the levels they like and one of the things that was very consistent was people's dislike of this particular level called escape which involves you being trapped in a mansion with a lot of alert monsters um, and having to escape the mansion and one of the things I noticed was that people kept saying that, man, I hope you're ready to spend like an hour or two trying to get out of this damn place because, you know, it's so hard to not get seen. Well, it's pretty, pretty hard to get through that level without being seen, but it's definitely not hard to get out of the level when you're bunny hopping all over the place. Let me tell you, I absolutely did not stealth that level. I just ran and jumped as fast as I can, and I think I beat that in about two or three minutes flat i don't know how about you felt about escape so i had an issue so i was doing the same thing to you but um because we were playing on expert there was an optional objective where you needed yes. to find information about constantine and that information was at a treehouse, which was kind of near the beginning of the escape sequence and because i had bunny hopped my way through the map i had about oh, 15 or so enemies following me at that point so I had to go through this elaborate uh, spring of luring people out, blackjacking them, killing them. It took me ages in order just to get back to the place where I came from. So that mission, it didn't take me long to get to the entrance, but it did take me a long time to finish that mission. Yeah, I actually kind of enjoyed that one just because of how fast I was able to complete it. The first time I got out of the mansion, I was like, and it said objective complete at the top of the screen. I was like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And then I was like, why hasn't the level ended yet? And then I looked in my objectives and saw that one sitting there and was like, oh my fucking God. Um, so I just restarted and then, you know, restarted until I could find a path that was, you know, three minutes from the start location to the objective to the exit. Right. Okay, um, sure. And that was kind of a fun puzzle to me. I will say we've been talking a lot about, I guess, core mechanics of stealth, uh, of Thief, and these are the mechanics you will engage with most if you like stealth games. But the fact is there's another kind of part of Thief which is terrible, and that's the combat. Now, we were both playing on experts, so we didn't really engage with the combat as much as we should have, but there were still times when you do it when you're dealing with non-humanoid enemies. There's uh, arrows that you shoot at enemies, and you have a sword which you can swing at enemies. And this part of the game feels almost... It feels janky and bad. I, I don't know how you felt about it, but the way the sword Dude, swings happen, like. Okay, so I think that Elder Scrolls gameplay is absolute garbage 
And I think this game's combat is worse than that by, like, a country mile. Yeah, it's significantly worse. Uh, this game's combat fucking sucks. And I'm so glad that Expert forces you to play this game in stealth. Because the stealth in this game is brilliant and I love it to bits. But the combat is, like, some of the worst gameplay I've ever experienced in my entire life. So, you know, definitely a strength of the game that you can circumvent it entirely for the most part. There are some levels in this game that force you to do combat with monsters, um, and that absolutely blows my mind, right? Like, you take the worst part of a game and you make it almost mandatory in a few sections of the game, and I just cannot get over that. I think every level in this game that involves monsters and a lot of fighting was just the worst thing ever no i agree um the missions are you can broadly divide the missions into monster missions and human missions and the human missions with one or two notable exceptions which we'll go into in great detail were good and i enjoyed them and the ones where there were monsters were bad and i disliked them and that's entirely because the human missions had an emphasis on stealth and the monster missions really didn't in the same way. Part of that is that you're disincentivized to stealth past monsters. I A lot of the monsters are slow and you can kind of jump past them. So I was taking that approach with the monster missions. Whereas the way the guards work, uh, where they kind of, you know, find you and start swinging swords at you and stuff really encourages you to be stealthy and it's really fun to do so yeah not all the mechanics in this game are a slam hit but the good news is you can largely choose to engage with the good mechanics yeah um i'm gonna admit to my casualness here Uh, i played almost every game on expert um but there was one mission that After trying to play it for like an hour or something, I just decided, fuck this, and dropped it down to easy. Uh, And it was another one of these monster missions, and it was Return to the Cathedral, which is actually a big climactic part in the story, right? Mm -hmm. It's the place where you steal that all-important MacGuffin, the Eye, um, and you've spent the last like five or six missions finding other MacGuffins in order to unlock this like locked cathedral so you can get in. To me, after spending so much time trying to get into this place, the reward should be some fun gameplay. And it's just full of really difficult monsters that can see you easily. And not only that, you know, I was like, okay, there's heaps of monsters in here. But if I stealth well enough, um, they won't find me and I can avoid the shitty combat. No, 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 no. When you grab the eye, it immediately alerts all the monsters in the place to your presence. So you have no choice to avoid the combat in this mission. And that made me so mad um, that, you know, I just dropped it down to easy and just ran past all the monsters. I absolutely hated that bit. So um, it does alert the monsters, but if you can escape from them to the next area, which I managed to do, they will eventually de-aggro. So you're not. They did not for me. Okay. Did did you fall down the stairway to where the uh, hammerite was that gives you the quest? Um, I went down from the gem, left, and then through the next door, which was where the ghost was that gives you the next quests. So, so all the enemies were attacking you at that ghost. Yeah, they followed me out into the courtyard, and I was like, "Fuck this! I'm restarting on easy." Okay, I see. I, I was able to do that, but that mission irritated me for its own reasons. Uh, even though I enjoyed most of it, the end part of that mission annoyed me. Before we get into that in detail, um, just 
basically i agree with you the combat sucks and the places where you get forced into either fighting enemies or running away from them does suck yeah i do want to talk a little about how bad the ui is because the ui fucking sucks as well (laughs) really i didn't have any problems with it so so the way it works is you've got you know your arrows which are the different arrow types are bound to the numbers across the top of your keyboard which is fine although you can't tell how many you have of a particular arrow unless you press you know the given number so if you press four you get access to your water arrows yeah you have to equip them to see them right that's fine but the real problem with the ui is how all of your utility items and scrolls and lock picks and different keys adjust on a left right system where you tap a key to cycle through all of your items and you didn't find that annoyed you at all no i bound that to my mouse wheel so it was for easy to cycle through them all okay so so my number one problem with it is um as you play through these missions you pick up uh scrolls and parchments which i generically call clues even though some of them are world building related and they look very similar to one another even if there are slight differences and having to, every time I picked up a new scroll or clue, I had to kind of cycle through all of them in order to find the new information. Yeah, I didn't like the mini game of cycling through the 10 different keys to find the right one. Yeah, so cycling through keys, um, all the, the potions are all there, the healing items are, I thought it was incredibly ugly and clunky. Whereas if, you, if I had an inventory screen or some way to help me better track the scrolls i have like um like a window and then i can click between different scrolls it would have been a lot better and i understand this is a relic of um of game design from 1998 but the fact is if you play it today it's really really annoying not to have that information presented to you in an easy to digest way yeah i found it kind of irritating like i did get annoyed on several occasions but it didn't you know blow my mind with its clunkiness i think the game uh controls fine for the most part with the exception of clambering on ledges which i think is like the most inconsistent system in the entire game like because a lot of the game demands you to make these jumps and then grab onto and clamber up a ledge which involves just right clicking on the ledge that worked for me maybe like a quarter of the time and i constantly like every time i saw one of those jumps i had to quick save and then do it like six times until it worked um i thought that was absolute garbage it's incredibly janky it's very dodgy i i mean i did the same thing every time i got to a jump it's like well it's quick saving time yeah that that seems like a good uh, a good time to talk about uh quick saving if you'd like to do that now james yeah i mean this same thing happened when we played max Payne as well which you know i felt like i was forced into a very quick save heavy play style and that was absolutely the case here too um it didn't annoy me too much i used it quite often in some spots and less in others i tried to pace myself to make me do more of a challenge but i did find myself succumbing to the temptation a lot and quick saving after many encounters so i guess what i would posit is that there's something fundamentally problematic with quick saving as a system and the thing is I'm the I'm a PC gamer, right? Like when I was growing up, I played a lot of PC games, and I was always a big believer in the superiority of quick saving, of being able to save at your choice, rather than the checkpointing systems that were being used in console games at the time. But I've kind of come round to this idea of checkpointing versus quick saving, 
because you are really heavily incentivized to quick save all the time. The only thing that's stopping you from quick saving is, you know, your own self-control. And as you yourself have said in relation to more, I guess, gameplay-related mechanics, why should the player, I guess, hinder themselves and deliberately not quick save when it, you know, it creates a more positive gameplay experience? Uh, I disagree. Honestly, I think quick saving allows a level of accessibility to less skilled players that's important in some games, especially a game structured like this, where it's so easy to make a mistake that completely ruins your run. Like, if you make a slight amount of noise, you know, everything's ruined and you'd have to go into some shit menu and load, like, or jump off a cliff to get yourself killed to respawn at a checkpoint. Um, so honestly, in a game like this, I'm perfectly okay with a quick save system. Although I would have liked maybe a way to limit myself more because I kind of, you know, used it to the point of feeling guilty about it at some points. Yeah, well, I was thinking of different ways you could implement it because the problem is because Thief is like a more uh, multi-directional thing where you can where there are multiple ways to approach each situation. You can't just have checkpoints because where would you put the checkpoints, you know? You're approaching it at your own pace in a different order to every other player. And the best I could think of was something like um, was there would be certain spots in each mission which you could physically save at. Safe rooms, right? Basically safe rooms, yeah, that you stumble upon. Yeah, that's how that's how games like Resident Evil do it. I, I think that's a fine approach. I don't think checkpoints would work in this game at all, but I think safe, safe rooms, like you suggest, are definitely an approach they could do, yeah. Yeah, even if they wanted to explain it, um, there was a game I played recently, a new one called Katana Zero, and the, um, the justification it gave for that one is uh, each attempt that you make wasn't uh, your character actually trying to kill all the enemies. It was them theorizing, like, how would this play out if I actually did it? So, I mean, you could definitely do that for, you know, a Master Thief like Garrett who's just planning it out. And then if he gets seen, you know, you go bust. But, yeah, I think that there's something fundamentally problematic about quick saving because you're heavily encouraged to quick save every time you blackjack a given guard in the back. And like you, I tried to avoid doing that as much as possible. But in the end, I, I still think I was quick saving more than I should. Yeah, I absolutely did too. Um, but I think Thief is ultimately fine as an F5 simulator. Um, we've spoken a bit about the game now. We've been going for about 40 minutes now. So what we'll do is we'll have a quick break where we'll give you some music to chew on. So Thief as a whole doesn't have many tracks that have what I would consider melodies but it does have a lot of really good atmospheric music that keeps the game feeling very tense. So here's my favorite track from a level called The Sword.
James, let's uh, talk a little about level design, starting off with macro level design. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the overall layouts of these maps and how well they fit together. Going into Thief, one of the things I was really excited for was the level design because it's so informative to the experience of playing a sneaking and stealing simulator. But I got to say, I thought the level design was a mixed bag. I didn't actually love every level. In fact, there were some levels which I absolutely hated. So I want to go into a couple of examples of levels I liked versus levels I didn't like. And you, you can tell me what you think about them. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to start with the bad because to me, there was one level that stood out as the worst in the game. And that level was Thieves Guild. Now, it's interesting because the Thieves Guild isn't a mission um, with monsters. It's a mission with uh, human enemies exclusively. And it's got a lot of the smaller moments, uh, which I really like about Thief, waiting for patrols, blackjacking people in the back, dowsing torches. But I thought that the, um, the macro level design, the overall layout of this map was horrific. It was mainly set in a sewer, And it was the most confusing, convoluted maze that didn't make any sense of any level I played in Thief. Now, maze-like design is fine. Like, I I don't have a problem with complicated maze-like structures. But after I've been running back and forth through it for hours on end, I should be able to have a conceptual map of what it looked like. And with the Thieves Guild, I never did. Yeah, One of the things I really like about Thief's uh, level-to-level differences is that, to me, almost every level is very unique in a certain way. To me, there are maybe three levels in the entire game that are just casing a joint, and to me, the Thieves' Guild is one of them, except it's extremely long. It's, It's like three times as long as any other level in the game, and it's also really bland. Like, the visual design of this level is just sewers and like some small house areas and it's so boring to look at there's no interesting gameplay or you know story going on here it's just such a bland long confusing level and i just i also really disliked it i think part of the problem is that in other levels there are distinct parts of the level that sets it apart so you can begin building a mental map But with the Thieves' Guild, it's just all of these awkward bits of geometry kind of sitting next to one another with no real rhyme or reason or explanation for why they're there. So the overall concept of the level of you have these two manors on either side connected by sewers on multiple different levels isn't horrible. It's just that that whole sewer structure makes no sense. Even when I was looking at the maps, it still made no sense. And after playing it for hours, I still just could not wrap my head around all these different bits. So I thought that that was a really disappointing level, uh, despite it having human guards. Just an interjection here. One of the things I really, 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 really like about this game is its map system. The map doesn't tell you exactly 
where you are in the map. It tells you your general area, and for most levels this is perfectly fine, but for this one in particular, you know, you just have no idea where you're going. And the best thing about the map system in this game is actually a thing that Patrick, I think, really values in game design, which is where the story and the gameplay mesh together really well. In most games, you have a map system, and the map is the same from level to level to level. It's just got a different layout drawn on the screen. But in Thief, your maps are literal, like, written parchment maps from different sources. So every map looks very different, which to me, you know, is uh, thematically consistent, and I thought was a really cool little um, world-building thing that they added into the game. I, um, I loved the map system. I thought it was brilliant. I liked how, as you go from level to level, you get different uh, levels of information from the sword, which basically gives you nothing, to the Lost City, where your map is like uh, an ancient map using hieroglyphs to explain what the different areas of the level are yeah the the map system is great i like it a lot but yeah it didn't work for the thieves guild at all yeah absolutely i think that they did not mesh those two together very well at all was, was there a particular mission you hated apart from um return to the haunted cathedral or uh you know i only hated the start of return to the haunted cathedral because that mission is effectively two missions stapled together in my mind i don't know if you feel the same way there's the first part in the cathedral involves hordes and hordes of monsters and you stealing the item and then there's the second part of the mission which is basically just one big easter egg hunt for items provided to you by um an npc and i actually really liked that half of the level but no aside from that first part of the level the only other level i really disliked was called the lost city which was another monster level that was you know had a fairly confusing layout and wasn't too exciting apart from a bit at the end where you scale this tower? Uh, see, I really liked The Lost City. So to me, The Lost City is an example of level design done really well because even though there were individual parts of that level which were maze-like and confusing, I thought that each area within the level had its own distinct theme and identifiable area. So I never felt lost on that map. I mean, at first I felt lost, but once I'd explored around, I felt I knew how it all fit together and I was really happy with it. So can you elaborate a bit more on why you didn't like it? You just found it bland and boring. Yeah, it was it was pretty long. And, you know, again, it's just a monster level, which involves fighting a lot of monsters. There were some stealth elements, but, you know, my favorite level in this game are things involving rich people's houses, essentially with lots of guards in them and different surfaces, as opposed to this level, which was just, you know, stone surfaces with not too many light sources to put out. It just wasn't too interesting in terms of stealth mechanics, which is by far and away my favorite part of the game. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and, you know, it just, yeah. So it wasn't a horrible level per se. It just didn't emphasize the parts of the game that were my favorite. Okay, yeah, so, so that's fair. I, I found it a nice change of pace. And even though you weren't doing a whole lot of stealthing around guards, I don't think you were doing a lot of monster killing either. To me, it was more of an exploratory mission where you were delving into this city. I really liked the lore that you found in all the scrolls. I, I thought that was very entertaining and I enjoyed reading about it. And I thought that there was enough information in those scrolls for you to find your objectives. My favorite mission in the entire game is one called 
the haunted caverns i think it's called uh, oh my the, god the, why? the one where you start out off in caverns and then move to the opera house oh that one no that one's excellent sorry i thought you were talking about um is it the third mission in the game the one with, with all the, the tomb monsters? robbing one yeah that one was okay but no you're right the opera house is in my top three easily it was actually a bit of a bait and switch one of the things that i was mm-hmm. looking forward to was a bit of a shorter level um and so the very start of the opera house level you have no idea is going to be like it's called the haunted caverns yeah it's called the haunted caverns so you think it's just going to be a cave run and you get to the objective very quickly like i'm talking like 15 20 minutes and i was like oh that was a nice short challenge and there was some monsters but the monsters in that level you didn't have to fight um i really liked them because they were effectively blind so while they were monsters they were still technically a stealth challenge which i really enjoyed and would have preferred to um see in a lot more of the monsters in the game but upon getting to the end of the level the item that you were sent down to retrieve is missing and so this npc who i mentioned earlier sings to you in a nice operatic way that you have to go into the opera house and retrieve the item which then opens up into a much longer but very cool level filled with a lot of hidden passageways and stealth sections that i really enjoyed yeah and what i also liked about the opera house was that it felt like a real place more than a lot of the other uh, missions did so you've heard of the uncanny valley right james where like human design is like a you know robotic human or whatever isn't quite human and it makes you feel uneasy i think a lot of thieves level design actually resides in uncanny valley in that you think these places are real and they kind of are but they don't quite go the entire way like you'll have a bedroom where the only thing in it is a bed and a bookcase and that's it. Or you'll have all these weirdly empty rooms that seem to serve no function whatsoever. But I thought the Opera House did a really good job seeming like a real place more than the other levels. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think the Opera House is the level in the game where story and visual and clutter design you know go together perfectly the opera house has all sorts of places that it should it has kitchens and different levels with different bedrooms for actors and rehearsal areas Uh, it's got the big opera stage it's got a ticket booth it's got the backstage area yeah it's got the the room for the each you know member of the cast like the the music producer and the backdrop it's got the prop uh, designer like the rooms with the unused props yeah it was it was really well done um Whereas a lot of the other levels feel like they get most of the way there, but not quite. And, you know, we're spoiled by games like Prey and the modern Deus Ex games, which I think create very realistic places, but still. Yeah, and I mean, this was one of the levels added to the remaster, you know, the Thief Gold edition Mm. of the game. So kind of expecting it to be a bit better than some of the others, right? Yeah, and and it all fits well together. It was easy enough to build a mental map, but still with plenty of uh, surprises as you were exploring. So yeah, really good map, enjoyed it a lot. Um, I do want to bring up one special mission that really took me off guard, and that was a mission called The Sword. Yes. And it's interesting because The Sword, to me, kind of, it breaks a lot of my rules for what constitutes level design, 
but it justifies them in the context of what you're doing. And it's a brilliant mission because of it. Tell us a bit about the sword, James. Well, yeah, this is one of my favorite levels as well. And I mentioned it a bit before, but the sword is a Alice in Wonderland-esque level filled with all sorts of bizarre geometry and twisting, turning corridors that go on their side and play tricks with your mind. Weird indoor gardens that shouldn't be in there. Um, and just a really like magical dreamscape level that does all these bizarre things that I found very entertaining to traverse through because every room was completely different, had something unique about it, but it was still did a very good job of providing you with that core stealth experience that I think is present in all of the best um, of Thieves' levels. Yeah, so there are like doors on roofs, there are incorrectly sized doors and windows, water flowing in the ceiling and on walls. It's it's very weird. It reminds me a lot of, um, you know that episode of The Simpsons where uh, the entire Springfield community rebuilds Ned's Flanders' house? Oh, and it's all upside down and it's really like... It's all upside Asher-esque. down. There's, yeah. there's like door, there's dirt where the uh, where the floor should be and then there's the tiny the tiny door that's the master bedroom. Yeah. There's, a, there's a room in the mansion where there's all these tiny doors and I'm like... These guys just ripped off the Simpsons. Did that trick you? Because that tricked me. I didn't notice they weren't real doors. And, like, I walked forward to go down this hallway and it just, like, narrowed to the point of being, like, hilarious. Yeah, Um, I was confused a lot in that mission and it was brilliant. I loved the chaotic nonsense of it. And, you know, getting lost on that mission was fine because you're meant to get lost. It's not meant to make sense. You're meant to be confused and bewildered about how it all fits together. So, yeah, it was was brilliant. The sword was great. Yeah, it was great because, you know, it contrasts heavily with the rest of the levels. And one of the things I think this game does a great job of in its level design is having each level contrast with all the other levels somehow, right? Like, lots of levels have really similar things, and they'll have a couple of, you know, really unique points about them that no other level will have. And, you know, like escape being an escape mission, the sword being this crazy labyrinth-like level. And then my absolute favorite mission in the game called Undercover, which absolutely subverts your expectations of what a thief level is supposed to be. You know, in every other human-based stealth mission in the game, you're expected to hide in shadows and sneak around slowly but in this level you're undercover wearing you know a hammerite's armor and so you're just hiding in plain sight walking in front of people going through this uh, fanatics cathedral just doing what you want and obviously there's out of bounds areas that you have to sneak through but for the most part i found this level extremely refreshing because of how different and how it contrasted the rest of the game However, it wouldn't work if every level was like this. It succeeds because it's so different and because it subverts what the game has kind of trained you to expect from its levels. Yeah, when I think of my experience in playing Thief Gold, it doesn't blend together. I think of it very much as distinct experiences on each level. And it was one of the things I was struggling, like, how do I talk about this game? Because I keep thinking about specific moments from specific levels. So I agree that each area is very distinct. Um, I want to move us slightly. I want to talk a little bit about the objectives of each mission and uh, where it succeeds and where it fails in that regard. Yeah, sure. And do you want to introduce the difficulty first before we go in there? 
Yeah, of course. So we were both playing on Expert, and my understanding with the different difficulties is on Expert, you basically have more things to do. On Expert, you need to hit a certain gold threshold, which is often, you know, relatively high. Like you need to get, I don't know, 70 to 80% of all of the valuables on a mission. You will be given additional objectives, usually are stealing an additional rare artifact. There's always almost always one artifact you need to get. Expert introduces a second one. As we talked about earlier, you cannot kill any guards. And is there, a, is there something else, James, I'm forgetting? It depends on mission to mission, but that's basically it. The difficulty in this game doesn't make enemies harder. Um, it makes more enemies in some cases, but for the most part, I really like the difficulty in this game in that it just gives you more to do rather than, you know, necessarily making it this horrible challenge that you can't overcome. It just means you need to spend a bit longer in the level and fully explore to get the most out of it and to beat the mission. And I think this is something that a lot of games could benefit from. Well, it doesn't make sense to give the enemies extra health or hit points if you're stealth killing them anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Games like Dishonored have uh, experimented with increasing the enemy awareness, but the truth is that only works to a point because I played through and finished Dishonored 2 on the hardest difficulty level, and the level of awareness that enemies get on the hardest difficulty level is a little stupid, and I actually prefer something like Thief, where the enemies are slightly more blind. So, uh, yeah, in general, additional um, objectives are good. I will say, though, James... Some of these objectives are very, very hard to do without a walkthrough. And yeah. I would not have finished this game if I did not have access to a walkthrough on the occasions I got stuck. I had to look at one maybe three or four times throughout the adventure. There were definitely some really obscure ones. So on the mission you talked about undercover, um, part of what you need to do is you need to press five switches within five minutes of one another in order to open a gate. You do find a scroll in the mission that tells you the location of uh, the five switches. I think three of them are easy. One of them is reasonable, and the fifth is, like, very, very hard to figure out. Were you able to figure that out without outside help? Uh, I, I had to look this one up in a walkthrough. Um, it says that the last switch is hidden near an important tree. Keystone tree. The keystone tree. Yeah. And so I went through the level trying to find this all-important tree that had the switch, um, when in actuality, there's this area that's like an orchard with like 10 trees that all look exactly the same. And the switch is like hidden under some ledge near one of these trees. It looks just like every other tree rather than being like this special tree that the book suggested. I was really frustrated because when I heard the keystone tree and because we're in the Hammerite temple... I was convinced that it was some kind of symbolism for some special religious idol somewhere on the map. So I spent like 30 minutes. At this stage, I've knocked everyone out, which is my general mode of operation. 30 minutes combing over every inch of the map looking for some metal man-made rendition of a tree until I gave up and looked up a walkthrough. And I'm like, oh, it's by one of the random trees in the garden. So that was very disappointing. I... In general, I really like the system of finding clues as a way to figure stuff out, but some of this stuff is a little too obscure. Um, the other one that stood out to me was on the Thieves Guild mission, you need to find a bracelet as the secondary uh, item you need to steal. 
and it's found in like this random crevice in a fireplace and as far as i know there's literally no clues that direct you to that to that location was it the fire poker no no not the poker it was the thieves guild mission so it's the one where you had to find um you had to get the key to the safe and oh, the key you mean the little, little fire bit in the middle of the room yes. and you had to go to the other side? Yeah, I had to look that one up as well. Yeah, so it, it, to give you an idea, that mission, the Thieves Guild, as much as I dislike the macro level design, the placement of where the things to be stolen were actually really well done. Um, there's a note in one room that says, you disturbed me in the banner room, you stupid cleaning staff. Don't ever do that again. I want to be left alone in there. And I'm like, aha there must be something special about the banner room. And I was able to figure it out that there was a safe there. I'm like, cool. I got a context-sensitive clue and I was able to figure it out. There is literally nothing that gives alerts you to the possibility that a bracelet might be hidden under this fireplace. And to me, that's a step too far. It's okay to have things concealed, but there needs to be something, whether that's a visual clue or something written on a scroll that points you in that direction. So... The objectives in this game are largely well done, but I think some of them needed additional contextual clues to point you in the right direction. Yeah, and I agree. And that earlier example I gave, the fire poker, there is this big, like, extra large fireplace in this dude's bedroom um, that has, you know, it's brighter, more brightly colored than other fireplaces. And you're like, oh, let me try using a water arrow to put the fire out and then go under the fireplace and see if there's anything under there and there was there was a button that opened a secret panel behind the fireplace which is where this magical fire poker made of silver was hidden i I don't really know it was just his personal prize poker i think which was odd from a story perspective but really fun gameplay wise did you like you didn't need any extra hints it was visually obvious that there was something there right yeah, there's another one on the Mage's Tower where you need to find uh, these prize spectacles. And there's a very obvious indentation in the wall that looks like a door. And if you search around the area, you find the bookcase that opens that door. The thing is, you don't need much. I'm not saying I need it spelled out for me. In fact, I don't want it spelled out for me. But these games, if you're going to hide stuff, you need clues. You need to you need to be able to point people in directions. If there's a random scroll or some visual clue, I'm happy but thief doesn't always give you that so yeah some of these objectives was not a fan of them. yeah i i largely agree um i think that the clues in this game are really fun you gotta puzzle them out and then go find where it was and i really like that at a lot of modern games it would mark it on your map or put something in your journal mm-hmm. and this game doesn't do that and i'm really glad it doesn't because i think it's a lot more natural feeling for the player to find these diaries and then on their own without some external assistance from the game be able to put two and two together and go find the thing and i really like that yeah me too it's one of my favorite things in games where these contextual things point you in the right direction so thief gets most of the way there but it's not a hundred percent some of these things are just too obscure and maybe i'm just a casual but uh but uh, yeah, i yeah w- i wasn't a fan of some of those i mean this is basically the same thing as the objectives but i wanted to know how you felt about the general exploration aspect of the game and how much enjoyment you got out of it. One of the things that I said in our earlier, our second ever episode in Banjo-Kazooie was that in that game specifically, 
The enemies around the level are on purpose absolutely no threat to the player character at all. And to me, that facilitated the exploration aspect and made exploring a joy because you were never hindered by these annoying things getting in your way. In Thief, I often found that I wanted to explore a lot, but was unable to do so as quickly as I wanted to because of the presence of enemies. And I think that kind of locked me into a playstyle where I would not do much looting until I had completely knocked out every guard in the level and then did my exploration after, with a few big exceptions. I don't know how you went about your exploration. Yeah, fairly similar. Um, the way I did it is I would kind of methodically work my way through a level, taking the path of least resistance every time so if i had a choice between a room with two guards in it versus a room with one guard in it i'd always go into the room with one guard i'd knock them out i'd loot the room and then i'd move on like you yeah i did have to knock out every guard because i wanted to explore everywhere it's funny because some games you kind of think of a master thief like they would get in do everything and get out without anyone knowing they were there but the thing is, it's a lot easier to move around, loot everywhere, explore every nook and cranny if there are no annoying guards getting in your way. So like you, I kind of looted more as I went, I guess. But by the time I left the mansion, I'd say 95% of the people in it were knocked out. With yeah, my absolutely. Uh, and it's uh, absolutely a benefit to my gameplay experience. That those don't wake up like in some other games. Um, I was very happy to find out that. Yes. One of the things that detracted from my experience is the fact that the stuff that you're finding in the levels isn't particularly exciting. Like, everything you get is mechanically significant, which I do like. You know, when you the more gold you get the more gold you have at the start of the next level to buy items with. And, you know, you can also find some of these items hidden throughout the level. Like, there's like five or six different arrow types. There's a fire arrow. There's a water arrow, which you can use to put out light sources and make stealth easier. The moss arrow, which I mentioned before, that mutes your footsteps. And a gas arrow that knocks people out instantly if it hits them. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed using all these items, but when you were just finding them constantly, it wasn't that exciting. The most exciting things that I found were hidden passageways, stuff like that. But I was really wishing that, kind of similar to when we did Symphony of the Night, there were more obscure, unique items hidden throughout the world for you to find and kind of you know, be rewarding to find because like the hundredth time you've picked up a wine bottle, you know, like whatever. See, I'm different. So every time I hear that gling, whenever you pick up a single gold piece, it gives me a euphoric rush. Um, I don't think the game needs it. I think that you're a thief stealing, you know, objects. That's all the game needs. You don't need all these magical add-ons. Um, I think that the game would be worse if it did have all these random things giving you different abilities. One of the things I like about Thief is that it feels kind of grounded, even though there's these magic going on in the world. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I was perfectly satisfied with the things I was finding while exploring. 
Okay, I uh, I was quite underwhelmed by the you know rewards for looting. Other than, can, can you give me an example of the sort of things you'd like to see? Um, more one-off rare arrows, something like that. I know there was gas arrows that were kind of hard to find, and they kind of fulfilled this role. But you can basically buy anything that you can find at the start of each level. There wasn't anything like I would like some one-off spell or something cool to use. I don't know. It's hard for me to give an example, not being like a game creator, but all I know is when I was picking stuff up, I never was like, oh, this is amazing. You know, the only time that happened to me was in the level The Sword in that Alice in Wonderland kind of labyrinth. There was, you know, the titular sword at the end that gave you the ability to have your weapon drawn without alerting people. Yeah, so, I don't know, I kind of like the idea of Garrett as just a thief. You know, he's got lockpicks and he's got these different arrows, but I viewed them more as tools. Maybe maybe he could have something like climbing gloves or, um, I, I don't know, but yeah, I, I was perfectly happy with the, um, with the tools that you were given. Part of that is the fact that in most stealth games, when they don't have a stealth component, you're often very restricted in the tools you have anyway. And I thought pretty much all of Garrett's tools were incredibly useful. Uh, water arrows, gas arrows, the noisemaker arrows, your blackjack, the lockpicks. I, um, I didn't feel like I was wanting for ways to deal with difficult situations. Yeah, no, that's fair. I don't think that the issue is that your items aren't fun to use. I think all of Garrett's arsenal is extremely fun to use, more fun than a lot of games. My problem is that you see it all very early, Similar to the issue with Kirby last time, all his abilities that he can get are really fun, but you see them all before halfway through the game, and then after that, you never get that euphoria again of finding something new and special. Yeah, see, I'm when it comes to stealth games, I'm a simple man. Give me, give me a long corridor, a place to hide in the shadows, and wait for a guard to walk past me, and I'm pretty happy. I don't need anything special. That fundamental stealth dynamic is something that I can enjoy and do enjoy for a long time. Okay, fair enough. With that said, one of the things I just mentioned was my play style. Once I discovered bunny hopping, I noticed very quickly that it doesn't matter if you get seen in a mission, even on expert. You could just like run through a level, getting spotted constantly, and enemies only follow you up to a point as well so i found that on some of the later levels i was just like running through parts of the level getting what i needed and then getting out i don't know if you fell into that but i definitely did near the end well it's weird it's kind of like are you getting lazy or are you just playing the game quick saving less because it was kind of a little bit of both for me where i was like okay i've got a grip on the stealth mechanics if i get discovered now i don't feel helpless and i think i can recover from it so if i got discovered i'd start bunny hopping away at great speed until the guards you know reset and i was able to tackle it again but yeah i absolutely i was using his athleticism as much as i was using his sneakiness and i was kind of shifting between the two play styles as i played i was utilizing both i thought yeah fair enough basically as soon as i met every objective for the mission i just stopped using stealth entirely and just sprinted for the exit (laughs) i don't think there was any reason to continue being stealthy um and then especially on the last level i just did not bother with stealth at all and the level before that i think i did a lot of running around but particularly the final level 
which sees you go to almost it's like the depths of hell even uh the story exponentially you know rockets into craziness but there's a lot of monsters on that level and i just could not be bothered stealthing past all them yeah i actually stealth past a lot of those those monsters there were one or two where i just bunny hop past because i didn't know how if i was going to have a trail of 40 enemies on my tail like in the escape mission and i'd be in trouble but uh yeah i mean i definitely utilize both play styles it wasn't really a uh i figured out bunny hopping very very early on like in the first mission so i was i was kind of using both in intermittently throughout but yeah i i enjoyed both and i thought both brought a different flavor to the gameplay you never told me what your favorite level was by the way we kind of got a little side oh, favorite level was definitely haunted caverns which is the opera house level i'm uh i'm a big big fan of that level i love no, it you did tell me that don't worry <laughs> so i will say that uh there was another contender for my favorite level and when i was playing it through um i i was like yeah this is the best level ever until it came to an unfortunate end for me is this the mage tower because i really liked that level but you did tell me yeah, that that do, was do a... you want to talk about bugs a bit yeah sure um i never encountered the bug that you did but you had <sighs> to you know force your way through that level right with their code yeah so the ma- so i was up i was playing the mage's tower the mage's tower is a fantastic mission um there's a big central mage tower with four towers attached to it each which are attuned to a particular element um, when you get up to the air tower, there's this literal mission-ending bug where a platform can get stuck because there's these moving platforms. And that platform got stuck up in the air. It was kind of half in the wall, and um, I couldn't get any further. And I was very angry and frustrated because I, you know, when you get stuck in Thief, you don't immediately go to a walkthrough to figure out what's going on. You're like, huh, I wonder what I missed. And then you spend an hour or two wandering around the mission trying to piece together what the puzzle was. Turns out, yeah, the game was just broken. The mission was broken. They never fixed it with Thief Gold. And so I had to use a command to end the mission or or restart it. And at that point, with the hours I'd invested into it, I didn't feel like doing it all over again. So, uh, yeah, was one of my favorite missions. And it just, I can't put it in that category anymore. Yeah, that's a shame. It was definitely one of my favorites. Um, but I actually also encountered a bug that i thought was really funny in that level okay Um, go on in one of the mage towers the air tower the final section has this chest floating up in the sky and to get it to come down you have to pull these two levers and then once it's come down you need to pick the locks to open the chest the problem is it takes longer to pick the lock on the chest than the chest stays down for so you kind of gotta bring it down a couple times to pick the lock and i was like that's really annoying. I don't want to waste my time doing this. It's not difficult. It's just tedious. Did you jump on the chest? So I jumped on the top of the chest and I was like, ha, it'll take me up into the sky and I'll just keep picking the lock. When actually there's a hidden ceiling that you can't see in that room. So when the chest took me up, I got crushed between the chest and the ceiling and died instantly. <laughs> and that was a, that was very frustrating. Sounds like it happened to you as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was all kinds of jankiness. I was able to escape the bounds of a level a couple of times by stacking up boxes in various spots. Um, yeah, I, me too. I never figured out anything like incredibly useful to do with it, unfortunately. 
I kind of felt that if I really wanted to, I could probably break that um, Escape from the Haunted Cathedral mission, but I thought that would be against the spirit of it. Like in that mission, the second mission where you go into the mines, I was able to use boxes to skip a huge part of that mission, so I was very happy about it. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I didn't do that. I stacked up like three boxes awkwardly on a half-broken bridge and uh, was able to skip skip a bit, so that was cool. That's fun. I actually kind of think that adds to the game, honestly, being able to um, approach it in different janky ways yeah me too um yeah the, it's it's a very janky game um there weren't apart from that mages tower one there weren't any like mission breaking bugs but yeah lots of lots of funny little things stuff like um the hit detection with the blackjack is really weird uh, sometimes you can hit them in the front and they'll be knocked unconscious similarly i found that if an enemy was walking straight at me and I kind of bunny hopped past them, I would have time to turn around and blackjack them in the back. Like they, they wouldn't oh have quite <laughs> hit the alert phase yet. So yeah, it's not... It's, it's a pretty janky game. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not incredibly robust. It definitely shows its age in that regard. It's not a bug, but definitely the worst part about this entire game is that when you're picking the lock on a door and it unlocks, it opens, but then it stops when it hits you. So the door always like half opens and you've got to like walk backwards and then click it twice to trigger it closing and opening again. But if you... If you wait too long, it closes. you got to pick the lock again. It was so annoying. Yeah, there was one feature with that that I think that this game, I wouldn't say needs, but I think desperately wants, and that's the ability to look through keyholes. Because uh, it's it's you can't like half open a door or prop open a door to get a view of what's beyond. Yeah, you so, can. You can definitely half open a door. Yeah, but you have to do it. It's kind of janky, right? You can't like... Yeah. Yeah, it, it's not like, you know, Metal Gear Solid game where you slowly push the door open or anything based on your speed. And so what you would often be doing is sitting there listening to a guard patrolling outside. You'd wait for them to get, you know, what you thought was past the door and then you'd open the door. But if at that point in time they decided to turn around, you get spotted. I, I didn't really like that. I think that if you gave me the ability to peek through keyholes like you can in Dishonored, I would be a much bigger fan of um, of how the doors work. Yeah, overall the game's pretty janky in terms of its non-main mechanics, but overall I think it works pretty well. So, again, another 40 minutes has passed, so <laughs> maybe this is a, this is probably going to end up being our longest episode ever, so buckle Thanks in. Thanks for staying with us so far, everyone. Very much appreciated. <laughs> no, don't lie. They love listening to our beautiful voices. Um, I know I like listening mm. to myself talk. <laughs> um, so it certainly makes me sound better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so now we're going to go for one more break, uh, and then we're going to start talking about the aesthetics of the game, music and voice and graphics. Yeah, those things. So have another little interlude of some level music, and then we'll be right back.
as you've heard, most of the music in this game is very atmospheric. Um, in fact, I only think the title theme and the end credits have anything constituting a melody at all. You know, it's all spooky ambience, honestly. Um, I found that it did a very good job of setting a dark mood. I felt on edge, like, the entire time I was playing this game when I was doing the stealth segments because of it. It's got, like, all of these little ambient vocal sounds that are, like, barely audible that make you second-guess whether there's somebody around, and it really made me feel like... I was sitting on the edge of my chair the entire time, to the point where it reminded me a bit of a horror game, honestly. I found this game very difficult to play for long stretches of times because of this kind of tense atmosphere that it was just dripping the entire time. Um, I thought that, broadly speaking, I agree with you. That background atmospheric music is good, with two notable exceptions. The first is that there are times when you go from one room to another, and the music changes and it's basically crossing a threshold creates a change in the music and i found that a little off-putting and uh, immersion breaking because it would be like going from a door with wood floors you walk into a staircase and the music changes because now you're in the echoey staircase spot so i don't know if you noticed that at all but um yeah i did especially in the mages tower there are yes. a lot of these uh, obviously invisible lines that when you crossed flipped the music tracks and it didn't do it very gracefully at all. It just kind of like threw the new track onto you immediately. Um, that was quite jarring. The second thing is some of the use of the music during cutscenes is some of the most inappropriate placement of music I've seen in my entire life. There are a couple of times when you're watching the cutscenes which explain the story and for no reason that I can discern heavy metal music or rock music starts playing like it's really oh, upbeat too it's like weird. it's just complete yeah it's so in contrast to the rest of the game it makes me feel like we're playing um warrior within again yeah it's so bizarre like it's like this tense scene and then all of a sudden this rock music plays not only is it like completely inappropriate for the aesthetic it also just ruins the tone it happens at the end as well you're you're having this discussion with this father keeper like figure and all of a sudden this music kicks in you're like what is going on i can't understand why it was implemented but it it's terribly done yeah and it's all the more it stands out all the more for how well done a lot of the more atmospheric underridden music is yeah, and thankfully, it's only in like a couple spots in the game and never during gameplay. On the whole, I like the really understated music that this game has. I think it was very tense, very tonally consistent, you know, with the dark nighttime aesthetic. And, you know, overall, I quite liked it. I think that a much better part of the soundtrack is the actual sound effects themselves. I think that the sound effects in this game are still extremely good to this day especially stuff like uh flickering candles and lighting sources that actually because sound is really important mechanically to this game yes so it's very important that they got this right and i think they absolutely nailed it all the way back in 98 every surface sounds very distinct like you don't really need to look at the floor like obviously you've looked at the floor but if you haven't you can tell what surface you're stepping on by the sound copper surfaces sound very different to the crunchy grass um, of garden areas and i thought everything from the sound design was brilliant 
Yes, I think the sound design was done very well and it needed to be done well. I want to give a special shout out to the enemies called the Haunts, which are like these zombie Hammerites wielding swords. When they start chasing you, the noises they make is genuinely freaky. Like, I don't know if you ever had one of those chasing you, but man, they're one of the few enemies that can keep up with you as you're bunny hopping. They're very hard to lose. They take a lot of damage and they're chittering howls of them as they chase you is terrifying. Oh, it's horrifying. That's why I uh, restarted that level on easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not a fan. Um, with the voice acting, though, um, like I said, I think Garrett's voice acted very well. I think you get an immediate grasp of the sort of person he is. Egotistical, you know, sarcastic, a bit of an asshole. I'm a big fan of him, you know, see, see myself in him in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. But uh, a lot of the other voice acting is incredibly dubious. It's so bad. So <laughs> it's, bad. It's probably Why does every worse. guard whistle the same tune and know the same voice lines? I don't understand. It's funny because you do need the guards to speak because it's another audio cue for you for their patrols and everything. So I, I appreciate that. There needed to be more of it, though. Yeah, there needs to be greater variety. But honestly, even in, like, your modern day dishonored it's not much better i mean i kind of feel like the guards in dishonored are done deliberately badly as a homage to thief in some way yeah probably because it's it's terrible but you know it's funny because it fulfills the gameplay function and in that sense it's fine but yeah it's it's very bad it's very amateurish i particularly liked the sound effect on the water arrow for some reason i found um putting lights out to be very satisfying because of that yes it was i every time a, a fire was doused you felt this feeling of contentness and safety uh, and yep. yeah, it, maybe maybe that's why it feels so. It sounds so good to you because the idea of light as the enemy and and darkness being your friend is so is so you know comes through so strongly in this game. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, overall, I think the soundtrack in this game is great. Uh, the ambient sounds are excellent. The uh, the rock tracks are really out of place. The voice acting's really really questionable. But the sound effects are brilliant. So, you know, overall, I'm pretty positive about the soundtrack. Yeah, I'm I'm more into it because I think gameplay-wise, it's all really solid. Uh, and I think that a more obnoxious soundtrack, like a louder one, would have actually detracted from the gameplay. You needed something ambient so you can concentrate on the sounds that matter. So, uh, yeah, apart from that ridiculous rock music, I think it's well done. Perfect. Um, so then I guess that leaves us with the last topic for today's show, which is aesthetics and graphics. So how about you start us off with how you felt about these? So what I want to start with is that uh, when I was playing Thief, the way I perceived Thieves' world was really interesting because normally with graphics and aesthetics, it's a very like, oh, I like the look of it or I don't. But when I was playing through Thief, the way you see it is you see it through Garrett's eyes. Um, if there are torches, th those are bad. Put those out. You see shadows. You want to cling to shadows. The world is perceived through a thief's eye. So what looks good and what looks safe and what makes you happy are the dark areas. And every time my light gem was in complete darkness, I was very satisfied. Uh, so I, I wanted to start with that, how 
your view of the world and your view of thieves world is so shaped by shadow and and uh and shadow and light yeah absolutely shadows are super important in this game mechanically and thematically and i thought they did a really good job of making different areas different levels of brightness and the way that light sources work um coming from different torches and you know lights that can't be put out was really well done in this game i think that i too didn't think too much about the game looking good or bad from a graphical perspective because i found that the game was quite immersive uh, due to that soundtrack that we mentioned before and as you said the areas of the game i perceived in terms of how threatening they were you know whether i could be seen in them or not so i was constantly scoping the area for visual information that told me what was safe and what was not safe and to that end i think the game visually and like in a mechanical sense does a really good job of communicating that necessary information to the player yeah i do also want to say and i mentioned this a little bit earlier about the uncanny valley and believable spaces but i don't think thief gets there in having me believe that these are places that people live it does do some it, it goes somewhere right like like there are kitchens and there are even toilets on some levels but there's still that suspicion that this is a gameplay space in deus ex uh the second one when you go to the police station that is a police station. I have no doubt in my mind that I'm, you know, sneaking through a police station. When I'm in a manor in, a, in, you know, Thief, I can't quite believe it. It feels a little too lifeless. It lacks detail in a few too many ways. And there are a few too many odd geography decisions to, the, for me to truly believe it's real. Um, part of that is that the people occupying the world don't feel really real, like there'll be servants and guards. But bizarrely, you never really run into the people you're robbing. They're all away uh, on yes. on different things. So even it's it's a little frustrating. You don't really they don't really feel like lived in spaces. So I mean, I, I know I haven't talked much about like the textures or whatever, but but for me, like Thief is more interesting to understand in terms of um, in terms of what it what it's actually like as a gameplay space. How believable are the places that you're in? Not how many polygons there are on the wall. Yeah, I think that one of the things we strive to do in this show is to review things from a modern day perspective. And if we were to judge the textures and the modeling from today's standards, every game would be dog shit, let's be honest. Um, most. I think that Thieves... Well, yeah, most games. There are some exceptions, but... Um, Sim for you the night. <laughs> yeah, sure. And this game i don't think is one of those exceptions i think that you know the tech we even played with a mod that made the textures more high resolution and i don't think the textures and the modeling in this game has held up at all but i don't think that it's bad to the point where it interferes with the gameplay and for me that's all i really care about honestly this game's visual direction is very consistent and that's more important to me than you know, the clarity and the technicality of the texture work and the modeling. I think that I'm lower on the graphics than you are. I will say I didn't really see the graphics after I'd played for a while. What I would like to see from Thief 2, when we eventually get to that, James, because we absolutely will, I promise you, uh, is I'd like to see more believable spaces. I, I really hope that Thief 2 has more in common with Prey and the modern Dishonored games in creating 
believable spaces if they can cross that line and i don't know if they crossed it back in 2000 when thief 2 was released but if they can cross that line i will be very happy yeah sure there was a couple of notable exceptions to the graphics being you know fine for me um that really stood out as being god awful and one of these was the animations in this game are extremely questionable especially like, I didn't notice this until I went back to, you know, look, check it out for the review because all of the bad animations in this game are in attack animations, which I didn't really experience because I was stealthing through the whole game. But if you goad a guard into attacking you, some of the ways that they swing their weapon are so hilariously bad that I was just, like, on the floor laughing. Like, these characters swing their swords and hammers in the most unbelievable ways. It's like a child with a toy hammer swinging their arms around after drinking a liter of red cordial it's like so so terrible yeah there's some weird weird elbow bending going in in a lot of the strikes and um the way they move around there's this weird side stepping thing they're doing as they hold their sword up in the air it's um it's pretty bizarre pretty low quality but like you i luckily didn't have to experience it too yeah much. the graphics were never so bad that it took me out and i was like oh wow this looks terrible um, I was pretty immersed the whole time, so for me, that's all that I really care about. This game isn't going to blow you away graphically. It's going to do its job, and, you know, for me, that's fine. That's all I really need. Yeah, the graphics are serviceable. Thankfully, Shadows are where it's at in this game, and I think they did a really good job of um, putting Shadows in this game based on when it came out. There was one funny thing that I noticed that I wanted to ask you about. Did you notice that character models didn't have their own shadows? I didn't actually notice uh, when you when I was playing the game, but when you mentioned it to me before the cast, I went and had a look. And in hindsight, it seems a pretty noticeable omission. But I guess the thing is, the the sound design is so well done that I was never even looking for shadows. I could tell in a completely audio sense where all the uh, guards were at any point in time. I wasn't looking for the visual clue, which which is odd because in more modern games, I definitely look for shadows. So I, I guess this is, I guess it was just something that they didn't think of or it wasn't conceived of at the time. Um, but in the end, it doesn't have any negative gameplay implications because the uh, the sound design is... Yeah, so that's fine. What I wanted to suggest, and I thought you might find this funny. Um, so one of the possibilities there is that dynamic shadows really aren't a thing that was done back then. Um, and it might have just been a technical limitation. But in my headcanon, the reason they don't have shadows is so that you don't have patches of invisibility following people around. <laughs> uh, that's that's really funny to think of. That's that's super janky as well. It's the sort of thing that would exist in Thief if there were shadows. Yeah, like I feel like they just were like, how do we stop this from happening? And people were abusing it and testing heaps. I just feel like that's what happened. Um, no proof okay. whatsoever. I, I think it's. I think it's probably more likely <laughs> they didn't have dynamic shadows back then, particularly if Thief was one of the early stealth games. But I do like your theory, and it's the sort of thing that if it was in the game, that is a thing you could do because uh, yeah, the game's janky as hell. 
Yeah, so um, with that all said, I think we're pretty close to the end now. So, did you want to give us your final thoughts? What did you think of this game you were so excited about suggesting to us? Thief was good. I enjoyed it a lot. There's a lot of jankiness. There were lots of annoyances I had with various aspects of the game. But the core gameplay as a as a stealth game is really enjoyable. And um, I, I really like stealing everything. I would say that if you've never played a stealth game before... Thief is probably not the correct one to play because it is dated, it is janky, there are UI concerns, some of these objectives are dodgy. I would play a game like Dishonored, I'd play one of the Deus Exes, I'd play Metal Gear Solid, Hitman, I'd play a more modern take on stealth games first if you're not familiar with the genre. But for anyone who loves these stealth games, for anyone who considers them a fan of the stealth genre, Thief is 100% worth revisiting today and it's worth playing today. I got a lot of value out of it as a person who's played stealth games a lot and I really don't think its age has hurt it too much because the core mechanics are still so solid. So um, I'm going to give it a recommend for people who are fans of the genre. Yeah, I mostly echo your statements too. I think Thief's core mechanics, the stealth and the the tools with the arrows and the lockpicking are all really fun to this day. And the flaws that make different sounds and the light sources to interact with are all really fun. Honestly, I found this game more technically interesting than games like Dishonored or Deus Ex that you've mentioned, because to me, they're more mechanically this game's more mechanically intensive than the both of them. And that really impressed me for a game that came out so long ago. I was very, very impressed with the stealth aspect of the game. The combat fucking sucks. Uh, don't <laughs> don't get caught. Don't fight things. Um, you'll hate this game. But uh, the, the core stealth gameplay is brilliant. Uh, it does live or die by its level design. And thankfully, I think the majority of the levels are really good here, with some noticeable exceptions in the monster levels. But, you know... If... I, I think there's a stretch of missions right in the middle, which are really strong. Yes. I think that there are missions at the start, and particularly the end, which suck. But the whole middle mission set where you're collecting the gems, uh, sorry, like the glyphs to open the cathedral, they're all really good. Like some of the best levels in any stealth game I've ever played. Yeah, and I even really liked the last level that even though it was a monster level, had a lot of unique uh, kind of out there things that you were doing with these weird water currents and um, these sliding ice puzzles that were really unique to that level. And I found that was fun. But going back to my thoughts, yes, absolutely would recommend Thief. I think the soundtrack, the sound design in particular, has held up extremely well. The gameplay is still an absolute joy in most cases. And I think that it would even be a lot more fun if you were playing this game at your own pace and not rushed like we did for a review. Because I actually found, because it was so tense that sometimes it was a bit hard to start playing the game. But once you get into it, it's extremely immersive. So, you know, I am a lot higher on this game than I thought I was going to be going into it. So, yeah, absolutely would recommend Thief to somebody who just likes the stealth genre, as you said. Excellent to hear, Jimmy. Does that mean we're done for today? Oh, yeah. We're, we're up to one hour and 40 minutes at this point. I'm getting a little tired here. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to our conclusion and uh, us talking about where you can follow us. So um, we do both recommend Thief. We think you should check it out. You can get it on Steam, GOG, or I'm sure many other places. It's pretty cheap, 10 or $15. Thank you so much for listening to us today. Really appreciate you staying with us through these difficult long times. 
so a little bit about us. Our Twitter is at RET Podcast. Uh, we'd love if you gave us a follow. Our website is rspodcast.net. We've not only got the cast there, but we also write articles regularly uh, related to the games we've done on the cast. So check that out. Have a read. You can send us an email at retrospectivespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, oh, we've also launched a Discord server. So if you have any suggestions for games for us to play in the future, please do drop by and tell us all about Most them. of the Discord discussion so far is just everyone relentlessly shitting on Patrick. So if you want to get in on that, you know, come in on and uh, give us some shit talk. Yeah, I, I honestly don't understand <laughs> that, but uh, that's how it's shaking out. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes, unlike last week where uh, it wasn't. But that wraps up today's discussion. But before we go, James, what are we playing uh, next Fortnite? What are we playing? I actually haven't told you what we're playing next week, uh, which is a first. So it's a big surprise for Patrick this week. Um, I was really struggling to think of a game to play in the next Fortnite. So I think we're going to go with a classic 90s game from the brilliant game designer himself, Hideo Kojima. So we're doing the original Metal Gear Solid? Metal Gear Solid? What's that? We're playing Police Noughts next <sighs> Fortnite. What is Police Noughts? I'm immediately skeptical. Police Noughts no- <laughs> is somewhere between a point-and-click adventure and a visual novel. It's about uh, middle-aged cops going on a crime-solving adventure crime solving adventure eh this this doesn't i think i would have preferred to do metal gear but unfortunately i don't have a choice in the matter uh, at least it'll be better than kirby i'm sure well we won't know until we play it next week right so uh until then enjoy your day see you in a fortnight people